Callie Benson has come a long ways. After weighing 377 pounds and realizing one day she couldn't walk a mile to brunch with her friends, she finally decided it was time to make a change. She set up small goals for herself and slowly began to build momentum, eventually started exercising, and it wasn't really all that long, and she had lost 200 pounds. Fast forward about a decade or so, and Callie is a legit ultra runner. She's done a whole bunch of races, and she's training for the Coca Donut 250. This is an inspiring episode, you guys. You're going to dig it. Races I'm going to be at this year. I'm going to be at the Desert Rats Festival, Coca Donut 250, Adventure Fest, the Desert Rats Stage Race, Silver Heels 100, Hard Rock 100, Never Summer 100K. Leadville 100, Run Rabbit Run 100, Sangre de Cristo 100 and 200, and the Moab 240. Those are all races that we, Big Things Crewing, is going to be at this year. So if you are in need of a pacer or would like to pace for any of these events, uh, the events that allow crew and pacers, hit me up. Let's make it happen. Uh, I love doing this stuff. You want to jump in and pace some people? You need a pacer? Hit me up. I'm your guy. Let's get weird. Let's have an awesome summer, you guys. I want to thank my sponsors real quick. Exoskin, Athletic Brewing, and Alter Ego Running. There's discount codes at the end of the show and in the show notes. Remember, by supporting our sponsors, you're supporting this show. All right, guys. Let's jump right in. You guys are going to love this episode. Give it up. Miss Callie Benson. This is the Do Big Things Podcast, where we want to inspire you to do big things. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing, a service for ultra runners from beginner to elite. Not only can we get you trained up, but we can also crew you into the finish line. Find us at big-things-crewing.com. Now, here is your host, Adam McRoberts. All right, Callie, how are you today? Not bad. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, I am a big fan of stories about transformation. Um, and I've never been overweight. I've had my own struggles. My, my, my struggles were different. Everybody's got different struggles, of course. But, but um, I would love to hear your story. It sounds like uh, you lost a significant amount of weight. And I know that you are an ultra runner and you're tr- currently trained for Cocodona 250. So, I mean, talk about do big things. And <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to hear the story. Yeah, I mean, my life is full of extremes. So where do I begin? Um, yeah. So, I mean, if I, if you want to go back to the start, um, you know, I was born and raised in Florida from the outside. I probably had a normal childhood. Um, I was in all kinds of sports as a kid. Um, my mom was my Girl Scout, uh, leader. Um, I played tennis, soccer, you name it. Um, but you know, under the surface, I had a very, I guess, non-traditional upbringing. Um, my dad was an alcoholic my entire life. I had a sister who was always rebellious. So I always looked at her and I was like, well, I don't want to do that. So I was always the goody goody okay. on the surface. Um, and then my mom, who is my number one inspiration, she had a hell of a story too. She, um, when she was 12 years old, she walked into the kitchen. Her stepdad shot her own mother and the head and then went into the backyard and shot himself in the mouth so it was up to my mom to raise then her brother and sister in Mississippi so when I say that I'm a strong woman I get it from her because I mean she's been through the ringer and back so having her as a mother um, and really the anchor in my life has really shaped me into the person I am so yeah I go on no kidding when it comes to family stories I could how long do you have? (laughs) We've got all day. I love this stuff. Yeah. How how did your mom adapt after something like that? I mean, that is tragic. That's yeah. Yeah. She, she, 
you know, took the, her sister and brother and lived with who I grew up thinking was my grandfather. Turns out he was more of just like a family friend in Mississippi. And then the story continues. My mom, you know, helped raise the kids there and she never told anyone, but he sexually molested her until she was who knows how old. But when she turned 18, she was able to get out, escape, go to college and, you know, start her own family, my sister and me, um, and become the person who she is now. But yeah, she, you know, just persevered and kept on kind of like we all do in ultra running, you know, yeah, there yeah. are tough times in life, but you just, you find the courage and the strength to keep going. Yeah. Um, so That's I, cool. whenever I'm in a tough moment in a race or training, you know, any day life, I, I think of that. I think, you know, if she had the strength to continue, so do I. Yeah. Yeah. And your mom is still around. She is. Yeah. She is in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, with her partner now, her and her wife of, I don't know how many years they've been together forever, are now, this is another story, are now raising my sister's um, uh, son, my nephew, two nephews, and my niece in Atlanta. Um, they're both teachers and um, yeah, nice. have, having a blast in the Southeast. <laughs> and uh, where are you calling in from geographically? I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Arizona. Okay. When I say life full of extremes, one of them is, you know, I was born and raised in Florida and then I went to Chicago to start my career and then I went to Arizona. So okay. Siberia, as we call it in Chicago, I think their lowest temperature this year may have been like negative 12, which is typical. And yes. then our highest here this past summer was like 118, I want to say. <laughs> so <laughs> That's I would extreme. much rather I would much rather be in the heat than the cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I am from the Chicago area too. I lived up in Wisconsin, about an hour and a half away from Chicago. So, um, and I took a peek at at your ultra sign up, and it looks like you did the Ice Age fifty. So, I'm guessing that would explain why you did that race because you were yep. living in the area. Oh yeah, I was living in the area at the time, um, and to me, at the time, that was a tough race because oh, yeah. my training was you know, pancake flat Chicago, where your hills are man-made stairs. So nope. <laughs> very different terrain than the Ice Age Trail, the Kettle Marine uh, Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big time. Well, some of my first ultras were there. So I'm very familiar with the area. And uh, yeah. yeah, love that place. Um, place. The reason I asked about your mom is I'm just curious now, like what she thinks about you going out and doing these crazy ultras. I mean, she must be super proud. She is. Um, at first, she was terrified for me, <laughs> um, having, you know, no idea what it really means to do an ultra. I, I think at first she was like, oh my gosh, like, how is it possible for you to be able to run 50 miles, hundred miles? I'm like, well, it's like, it's like fast hiking. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're going slow. You're, you know, you're, you're mosey. It all depends on who is racing. But for me, it's like, just get to the finish. <laughs> yeah, totally. But she, nowadays, you know, we always talk on Saturday mornings after my run and she'll just ask me because she knows she's like how many miles today and I'll say 24 and she's like all right nice <laughs> whereas before she'd be like oh my god how did you do that now it's like all right next question <laughs> yeah it's the norm now yeah which uh, yeah <laughs> how about your father do you have a relationship with him not a healthy one um <laughs> okay growing up you know as a kid I I always looked up to him because he had such a cool job he, my, both my parents are from Mississippi, um, but he got a job with Disney World in Orlando as a landscape architect. So he mm. got to design all of the crazy flowers and, and bushes shaped like the characters. And I mean, if you walk around Disney, you're not only mesmerized by the park, but you're mesmerized by every little detail, including the flowers. Um, so that's definitely where I get my creativity from. I work in advertising on the creative side. Um, but yeah, I always looked up to him. He was like the cool dad. We were always going boating or um, sea doing or you name it, all the, the fun things. But as a kid, you don't realize that your dad is like drunk by 9 a.m. So yeah. 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 it took me uh, years once I grew up to figure out what was really going on. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's a relationship where whenever we do talk every month or two months, maybe it's a uh, him just telling me about his life he'll you know ask me some questions about mine but it's usually you know what's going on in his own world but um you still love your parents no matter what it's just a 
interesting relationship, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, and then, so you said you played a lot of sports. Uh, mm -hmm. what happened towards high school after high school? Did you go on to college? Like what happened mm -hmm. then? And I'm guessing yeah. you weren't running at that point. No. Okay. <laughs> so I played a lot of sports growing up. Um, my favorite were soccer and it's funny. I like soccer cause I could be the goalie and not have to run a lot. And I was good at soccer because I'm, I'm, I'm very tall. I'm 5'10", and I can kick the ball into the other goal. So I was always the goalie. Um, and then I also got into rowing my first year of high school, and I got really good at it um, to the point that I was being recruited to row with the girls' team at Berkeley. And um, last minute, took a hard right turn and went to art school in Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> so I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design um, for five years, I got my master's there in uh, advertising, design, and copywriting. So okay. that's what I do now. Okay. okay, copywriter. Yeah, so okay. I went to art school. Um, and when I went to art school, I mean, sports was not even in the picture. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really where I lost all control of like my health. Um, I gained who knows how much weight in college. It just got really unhealthy. I mean, I would eat fast food four times a day. Mm -hmm. It was bad. <laughs> um, and then it just kind of continued on once I graduated and got an internship in Chicago. Um, and it was when I moved to Chicago, you know, you, you move to the big city and you have all these big dreams and big aspirations because um, you think you made it. Like now it's like, what can I do now that I'm here? Um, so a lot of my focus went into my career and I, again, just completely lost control of health I was that was on the back burner um but it was one day and I tell people this all the time because they'll ask you know like what was the switch that flipped and for mm -hmm. me it was one day one of my friends wanted to go to brunch and they were like oh like it's just down the street we can walk there and in my head I was like there's no way I can walk to brunch like mm. it's too painful I no <laughs> and it was yeah like a mile away and that was where I was like you know what I really need to make some sort of change. Um, I'd also been hearing from my doctor, you know, like if you continue on this path, you're looking at an early death mm. and just hearing that. And then knowing this about walking at brunch was kind of the, the switch that flipped and made me realize like, I have to start making some changes. Yeah. Lo yeah. and behold, the extreme changes and <laughs> style that would later come. <laughs> I'm all about extremes. I get it. I Same. can relate. Most ultra runners are. Go big or go home. Totally. Totally. Um, so when you were gaining weight, I'm just curious, were you just focused on your career and just not thinking about it? Or were, mm -hmm. were you sad and going through um, things mentally as well? Uh, I think it was just a matter of, it could have been a combo. You know, I, I was definitely focused on my career. And I mean, that was just blinding everything else in my life. But, you know, in the back of your mind, and when you're alone, that's when you realize like, how lonely you are or how mm -hmm. sad you are or how your life doesn't feel like you, you think it does on the inside. Like on the outside, I didn't look like who I felt like on the inside. On the inside, I still felt like that person I was as a kid when I played sports and I ran around and I had all this energy and I felt like superwoman. But on the outside and in reality, I didn't feel like that person at all. And that dynamic of your inside not matching up with the person who you are on the outside that that just you know was the push that came to shove mm. yeah yeah so yeah and then you couldn't walk down to brunch that day and I'm sure that that was sort of traumatizing I mean that if that flipped the switch that must have been a big deal for you you must have really put some thought into that like okay now's the time and and like yeah. how old were you at that time at that time, when was that? That was 20, 2013, I think, because that's when I started getting into running. And that's when I went to Fleet Feet for the first time and, you know, was fitted for my first shoe, the Nike Pegasus, which so many of us used to run in or still do. Yeah, um, yeah it was lime green. I'll never forget that shoe. But that it was so traumatizing that that's like what started making the changes. But I will say that you know, the first thing that I started to do, and sure, there were tons of trial and error in all of this, but the first thing I did was just set out these small attainable goals 
that I could achieve to build momentum and positivity in this journey. Um, and the first thing I did was started packing my lunch every day. I used, I mean, every meal was out, fast food or restaurant, whatever it was. Um, but I started making my own lunch every day. It didn't have to necessarily be healthy, but it just had to be something that I made and was aware of every ingredient that went into it. Sure. Um, so as soon as that became a habit, then I started incorporating other um, new habits, like starting making my dinner, started having a healthier snack, started, you know, having lunch. And then once my diet became, you know, more locked in, that's when I started picking up exercising. Um, and I picked up those shoes thinking that like, I'm going to run, but I first wanted to go to the gym just to like sweat doing something. It wasn't running. It was the electrical machine. <laughs> I remember that machine machine. I hated it so much. <laughs> <laughs> like most people do on cardio machines, you're doing so much effort, but you're getting nowhere. Right. Right. Um, but I remember, you know, every time I would go to the gym and work out, just that feeling of sweating again, I felt like I was really accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just those endorphins going made me come back again and again. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot which day it was, but I remember I went out for my first run since I ran as a kid. It's been many years. And I was like, you know, just run around the block. And I remember running around the block and I had to stop a couple times because I was so winded and it hurt so much. My lungs were on fire. Um, I was probably trying to go way too fast for what I should have been doing. Um, but I kept, you know, attempting that block every chance I got until I could run the whole thing without stopping. And that's when, you know, you just start picking up more momentum and, you know, just making the goal even bigger. Um, but I think like most beginner runners do, I added too much miles too quickly. And I got a stress fracture in my knee, which I never hear of, <laughs> but I remember it being so painful. Um, so I couldn't run. I was doing other things at the gym at the time, but um, I finally healed from that and then decided I need to get back to running because running was always this thing that was so intimidating to me and something that I felt goofy or foolish doing in front of people. Cause I remember thinking my form is totally not right. I probably look ridiculous, which is why I would only run in the early mornings or late at night when it was dark and no one could see me, which is probably so safe in Chicago. Um, <laughs> you know, or at the gym when no one would be there. Um, but I just kept at it and kept at it and finally made half a mile into a mile, a mile into two miles. And, picked up and kept going. Nice. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a pretty dramatic change. So yeah. like, where was your head at, at that time? Were you inspired by anybody else or was this just your own fire inside of you? I think this was my own fire inside of me because nice. for so many years, I was just always the fat kid. And mm. I was always the kid who couldn't, who didn't feel or didn't look like, or didn't couldn't do what the inside me thought I could do or thought that I had the potential to do. Um, I also, you know, like a lot of us, I read the board to run book and just that idea of knowing that this is what your body's meant to do. And I can't do it was the motivation to conquer that and prove that wrong or prove it right that I could. And once I finally did, and you know, the feelings of this is agony to this is joyful took over and replaced those like just the pain of running as a newbie. I, you know, just kept going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm guessing that there's a lot of people that can relate to that. You know, I want to start running. I want to lose weight, but I don't really want people to see me doing this. You know, like I would rather run at night or in a gym when nobody's there. And I'm exactly. just imagining like feeling sort of shameful and embarrassed. And that's gotta, that's gotta be a rough feeling, but as a runner who hasn't really struggled with weight, like I said, I've had my struggles, believe me, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I see someone overweight running, I'm just like, yes, like I should run over and high five this person. Or, right? you know, I love being passed on the trail by a woman. I'm just mm -hmm. like, yeah, you go girl. Like, I just oh, love, I love that stuff. And mm -hmm. I feel bad when, uh, you know, they, they're, they're embarrassed about that. And it's just, it's a hangup for them, but I'm sure it's common. It, oh, it's so common. I mean, you see that meme all the time of like what I feel like I look like on the outside, but what I actually look like running, it's like, we all feel like that. We all feel goofy, especially when you get, you know, a terrible race photo back. You're like, oh my God, is that what I look like all the time? <laughs> so 
it's not helping, but <laughs> we're all, we're all feeling, you know, you know, just self-conscious about ourselves, but yeah. that's even more reason to just be like, who cares and just do it anyway, because yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. That's yeah. something that I remind myself constantly nowadays is like, we're all a blip on this floating rock in outer space. Nothing matters. Just go after it. <laughs> totally do big things. Life is short. Like, yep. Yeah. And everyone's really just worried about themselves. Everyone's stuck in their own head. No one's like, if you're overweight and you're worried about running in public, no. like no one really cares. When I see those people, I just want to like high five them or I yeah. you know, if I'm close to them, I tell them like, good job. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> I'm also the person who's like, if I see someone who's overweight and obviously struggling, but they're still going after it, I want to be like, I was once you, you could yeah. do this. Like you're doing awesome, but I don't want to like, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to, don't want to mess up their workout. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's what podcasts are for. So you don't have to stop people on the trail and say, hey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so ultra marathons were on your radar rather early then, it sounds like, if you read Born to Run almost right away? Sort of. Um, I, I, don't, I probably didn't take the most common running path. My first race ever was the Chicago Marathon in 2016. Um, and I always say, like, I, I remember standing in the corral, putting my bib on and I was like, I don't know if I would have this on right. And I'm standing there in like <laughs> a major marathon, event. <laughs> but the Chicago marathon will always have a special place in my heart because of that. And I run it uh, a handful of times now. It's such a great race. Um, but yeah. Well, tell me about that first marathon. Um, had you lost weight by that point? Were you still mm -hmm. struggling and what was your training like leading up? I mean, like my first marathon, I trained for it. Like I was going, going to war, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and now I look back and I'm like, Oh, gee, it's ridiculous. But no. <laughs> yeah. So I got into the Chicago marathon through, um, pause, which is a no kill animal shelter in Chicago. It's the largest one there. And every year they have a team, um, with entries into the race. So I'm not someone who likes to uh, you know, join group runs for one, the reason I still feel weird seeing people see me run. I, I feel like I'm not doing it right. I'm still that person. Um, and also I like to stop whenever I want to stop. I want to go wherever I want to go. And, but it was still great being a part of that team because, you know, you got all the resources and a training plan and guidance, and you just had that peace of mind going into it with a group you know, and you got to wear a singlet and it was, you know, branded and you felt cool. Yeah. <laughs> so my training plan was picked out of Hal Higdon's book. Like a, a lot of people do. Um, I picked his beginners marathon training plan and I stuck to it. Oh, to the T. Like uh, if I had to run 12 miles that day, I was running 12 miles that day. Nice. Nowadays it's like, eh, <laughs> I, things were done out there. <laughs> yeah. But at first, you know, like that's how you build your confidence. When you get exactly. to the start line, you know, you did all the workouts, so you should mm -hmm. be good rather than going to the start line with some doubts in your head. Like I did skip about a third of those workouts. And then you don't, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. It's kind of, it's, yeah, it's something that you just got to do your first time around is like stick to it as much as you can, as best you can. Um, because at the end of the day, it is that peace of mind that's going to just make you you know, just a little more psyched up for your race versus having every single worry in the world cross your mind in the corral. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that I did that. And um, it was probably right after Chicago. I remember reading a runner's world magazine. I heard or read something about the Western States 100. And I was like, there's no effing way people are running hundred miles in the woods. <laughs> but then I started looking up ultras in Chicago and I was like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> And it was the, it was the next year I, um, I ran Chicago as a training run, which was fun to tell people. They were like, are you serious? Right. <laughs> <laughs> because my 50 mile run was like a, a month later. Okay. Um, and then it just snowballed downhill after that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and had you lost a significant amount of weight before the Chicago marathon? Yes. Um, I want to say I hit the 200 pounds lost maybe like a month before the race. 200 then, pounds lost. Mm -hmm. That is yep. insane. Yeah. That is crazy. <laughs> I, whenever I think back, I'll never forget looking at the scale and seeing 377. And I was just like, that's not, that's not real. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it is. Yeah. To prove it. <laughs> wow. Unreal. 
So, I mean, what a huge accomplishment, 200 pounds. I mean, you must've felt like a completely different person. Oh, a hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I'll never forget losing, you know, the first 10 pounds and thinking that I was already on a roll. And then yeah. nowadays it's like, mm, just a service, <laughs> but yeah, I mean my, and I won't say that my personality changed, but I'll say my entire life changed things yeah. that were important to me back then are important to me now. Um, you know, my perspective on, on life and what it means to make a day matter and make it count is totally different in the beginning. Like if I wanted to make a day matter, it was like work and then go to happy hour and then go out and then go to a restaurant, eat all the things, be hung over the next morning. And now it's like, I get up, I have a great run of like 20 miles and then I work and then I take my dog on a hike and go to bed by 8 p.m. 7:30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Up by 4 or 5 a.m. the next day. So yeah. <laughs> totally different life. <laughs> totally different life. And I'm guessing you don't have to worry about what you're eating nowadays. Like I'm guessing that your diet changed a lot. And with all this activity, like mm-hmm. it's just almost a new life. Like, but I, I don't is. know, is weight a struggle? It always will be. Um, okay. I think for someone, and I put into this perspective, for someone who struggled struggled with an addiction to food. Um, that mindset, that craving, those thoughts still cross my mind nowadays. It's like, you know, someone who struggles with, um, like alcohol abuse or addiction to drugs, it's probably a lot better for them to not be around it because it's not going to be top of mind. Those I'm sure that those, you know, thoughts and cravings or whatnot still crosses their mind. It's still a battle for them every day what's really hard about someone who's struggled with addiction to food, you can't avoid that. Right. You have to eat. You still have, you to, have eat. to be around that addiction every day, three mm-hmm. times, four times, five times a day. Um, so that I, that thought still crosses my mind every once in a while, but nowadays I have a somewhat better relationship with food. I think it's still something that I'll struggle with for the end of time, but I have the tools and I have, the, the confidence and I have the strategies to, you know, eat better or make better choices. Um, I have a better understanding too. This is something that I, I love about running. It's given me a better understanding or connection to my body and know what it's feeling. Um, you know, back when I was very overweight and unhealthy, like eating sugar all day, what I, I felt like that had no impact, but now if I have you know, like a cookie, I can feel that sugar in my system, like for hours. (laughs) And I think it's just because you're so more aware of what's going on in your body and how your body reacts to food too. Um, but nowadays, I mean, through my weight loss journey, I dabbled with many different diets, but the one that probably has stuck with me the longest is sticking to like a clean paleo diet. Um, so I don't need a lot of sugar, dairy, um, grains, um, beans, legumes. I stick to a lot of just like lean, um, lean vegan protein or animal protein. If, if there's nothing else available, I'm not too strict about that. Um, lots of vegetables, but yeah, I just try and eat as many single ingredient foods as possible. Um, what they always say is to shop around the perimeter of the store. That's usually where I am. Yeah. All the junk is in the middle, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's smart. And yeah, you're right. Like I always think like the alcoholic is giving up alcohol entirely. The drug Mm -hmm. addict, if they're trying to get clean, they're giving up drugs completely and they're learning how to live without it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, someone who's addicted to food or has problems with, with managing portions, Mm -hmm. they, they, it's like, it's like the alcoholic that has to have only one beer a day or one beer a week, you know? And yeah, it's, it's just a totally different struggle. So I've always wondered how that went. And, and I'm just curious, do you have like cheat days or anything now, or are you just super, super strict on this path? I used to be so strict that I wouldn't even allow myself a cheat day. Um, I struggled with, um, a lot of the issues that a lot of female endurance athletes struggle with. I think it's called the female triad where, you know, if you eat too little, and I did, my lowest weight was around like 152, 153, which I'll look back at pictures and I was a twig. (laughs) Um, Like it hurt to even like sit on the ground because my tailbone or my, you know, my um, spine, it would cause bruises on my skin from hitting the ground. Um, 
luckily I'm not at that point anymore, but I, I was eating, you know, way too few calories for what I was outputting, you know, through running and whatnot. Um, but yeah, nowadays I have just a way better relationship with food. Good. Good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like it. Um, and I'm also curious, how long did it take for you to lose that 200 pounds? I want to say it was like a year and a half. Um, I remember the first hundred went by in probably six months, six, seven months. And then the other hundred took a little bit longer to lose, but yeah, I think the most I lost was 120 and now I'm sitting at, or 220 and now I'm sitting at about 200. Okay. Okay. Wow. And, um, had you lost all of that before you started the Chicago marathon or were you Mm -hmm. still on the, you'd lost it all? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I lost it all and then continued to lose until about, uh, 2017, like mm-hmm. late into 2017. That's where I got to about 152. And since then I've just been like slowly gaining back to a healthier weight. I've also surprisingly enough been lifting, which is nice. almost unheard of for a runner. <laughs> no, that's good. No, that's I'm healthy. Not- I'm still not stretching, (laughs) but I'll lift, I'll lift some heavy things every once in a while. (laughs) One thing I don't do now that I used to be a crazy person about is looking at the scale every single morning to see, you know, where we're at that day. I mean, I would, I was so crazy about it. I would weigh myself every morning without even drinking water just to be like, how low are we right now? But I don't even look at my scale anymore. I just go based on feel. How's my energy? How's my performance running? Yeah. It sounds like, well, I guess you kind of said it, this is going to be a struggle forever for you, but yeah. you, you have a healthy relationship with it. Now you've sort of wrestled with this thing and you've got it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty admirable. It's, it's an impressive story. And yeah, it's like, I don't, I barely know you, but I'm proud of you, Callie. It's, it's, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. Thank so you. Then, yes, of course. So then the next year you run Chicago marathon as a training run for ice age 50 miler. Mm, or, or, um, what was it? Uh, the lakefront 50, 50 in oh, Chicago. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done the lakefront 50 K. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, it was a long time ago for that race. In November. Oh yeah. No, was it's it like freezing with freezing. Winds? Oh yeah. It sucked. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's on pavement. You guys, yeah. it's not a trail race. This is on pavement. <laughs> yes. Literally on a sidewalk along the lakefront, back and forth, back and forth. But when you're a new ultra runner, it's like, sure, I'll do anything. I'll run in circles. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I actually love running in circles. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've done a handful of circle races. My, I would say the shorter circle I did was a mile um, loop around a pond. That was also in Chicago, the Christmas and July races. <laughs> How many times? So I only got to, it's another crazy story. I only got to, I think like 18 miles in because I was having severe, like I couldn't t- intake anything. I couldn't drink anything I like blood was coming out I was like this isn't good I called it and on the way home I this race also started at like 10 p.m so I called my friend at like midnight I was like come pick me up (laughs) (laughs) and on the way home I uh I was like I need redemption from this and so the very next weekend I set out to do the 100 miles that I was going to do the weekend before because I was like you know what I'm trained for it I got to do this I'm not I'm not letting it go and I also um, participate in November project whenever I can. Um, usually it's not when I'm not training, um, which is rare, but I, I told one of my friends, I'm going to do this around Chicago. I'm just going to create my own hundred miler. And she was like, that's awesome. Like, give me your location and I'll like, see what I can do to help you. And at, I left work that day at like Friday, I was in my running gear and I was like, goodbye team. I'm going to go run hundred miles. <laughs> <laughs> and my first stop was home because I had to go walk my dog and give him dinner. So my first like seven miles was to home. Did that. And then I left and told my friend, like, I'm on, I'm going this way and um, you should be able to see my location. And by mile, I want to say like 12 or so, she was on the corner on her bike and she was like, hey, I'm going to like pace you for a little bit. I'm like, that's great. Sure. Come on. And we get to mile, I want to say um, 40 or maybe it was 30, 30, 35, somewhere around there. And she's like, all right, well, I have to go. But you see that guy on the corner? That's Randy. He's going to pace you through the night. 
And I was just like completely blown away that this stranger I'd never met before. He's also November Project. These are all November Project people. And he's like, hi, I'm going to run with you through the night. So you're not alone. And it was insane. We run through the night. This car pulls up. This sweet lady jumps out. And she's also part of November Project. She's like, hi, like I'm your aid station. I heard you're vegan. So I've got some vegetable broth. I've got some like candy pretzels. What do you need? So during this entire 100 miles, all these people just showed up out of nowhere where I was running to help crew or to help pace or to be an aid station. And they're all part of November Project. And it was amazing. Like I had no idea that my friend was working in the background to coordinate all these people to come help out and just make sure that I do this 100 miles. And it was amazing. I get to the finish, which I made my house. So I didn't have to go very far. Um, and this girl standing outside and she's like, congratulations. I just wanted to hand this to you. And she hands me this wood plaque that has hundred miles on it, Cali and a number one. Cause I had taken the bib from the weekend before, flipped it and wrote Chicago 100 miler, bib number one. And nice. she made a replica of that during the day when I was running and handed it to me as like my prize for finishing. And I was just like completely blown away. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. That was your first 100? No, that was, Oh God, I don't know what number that was. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, okay. Um, but it was a hundred on your own. It's not, I mean, people mm-hmm. came out there with you, but you just did it on your own. Now, were you yeah. trying to raise money for this November project? No, not this time. I, I didn't even know that November project was even going to help me out. This was something uh-huh. that I just like told a couple of friends I was okay. doing. And my one friend was like secretly in the background, coordinating all these people to, to help put it together. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. But I, the, the charity run that I did most recently was um, my friend Shan ran across the country and I crewed him in a van. <laughs> no way. Yeah. This was 2020 from okay. September to December. Wow. September to December. That's how long it took him? Yeah. Three That's months. That's not very long. Holy cow. No, three months. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and you crewed was- him the whole time. That must've been pretty awesome. It was awesome. We went from San Francisco to Connecticut and we were raising money for um, Feeding America or Food Share um, because this was during the pandemic. Food insecurity was just a big problem and still is a problem. Um, and we wanted to do some kind of good during a really shitty year. Yeah. yeah. And he had lost his job. He worked in um, event marketing for the Hartford, Hartford Marathon Foundation and they weren't putting on any races. So he lost his job and that was something he'd always wanted to do. And he told me that he was considering it. And I said, you're not allowed to do this unless I help. (laughs) (laughs) And he has a camper van. And so I said, let's use the van. I'll be in the van crewing and you can be running. So. Wow. Wow. Do you have any thoughts of doing anything crazy like that? (laughs) I'm sure I do. I'm sure. Give it time. There's thoughts. There's thoughts. Um, not, not right now. <laughs> not yet. Well, you've got Coca Dona to worry okay. about right now, like yeah. one thing at a time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. How many hundreds have you done at this point? Oh, you know, I'm not the person to count or to remember finish times. <laughs> sure. Okay. Because okay. I know I've done a, I've done a handful on my own. I did a couple during, you know, lockdown because I was bored. I got really into Strava art because living <laughs> in Chicago, you're on a grid, grid system. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was perfect for. I, I did phrases. I didn't do like drawing. Phrases. Okay. Phrases. What, was the, what was the best phrase? Ooh. Um, I had a couple. <laughs> um, my longest one was on paper, it was 106 miles, but to do good Strava art, there's sections where you have to pause and then like go to another side of that area and then start it. So it draws a direct line if there's not a street there. Okay. So I tallied it up. And also during this, I had to like run home, take care of the dog, and then run back for a positive. <laughs> so I did that a handful of times. So it, it ended up being around 135 miles. Um, Whoa. That was also during lockdown and, you know, when people just wanted to, like, get over it. So the phrase was, this moment matters. Nice. Um, yeah, that was a fun one. I also did, um, you're on mute, Karen. Because um, <laughs> that was... Wow, that's day. hilarious. <laughs> It's hilarious that you would take on those projects and they're that long, 130 miles. That's no joke. Yeah. I didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> Nothing else to do. <laughs> Nothing else to do. And I needed to run for sanity. So yeah, yeah. did you work remotely through the whole pandemic? 
I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to, you know, still have my job and I still work for the agency in Chicago and I still worked for them during the run across the country too, in the van or on the side of the van. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was just working from home and then, you know, when you're done for the day, it's like, well, I'm not hanging out with anyone. So what do I do? Go gotta drunk. go do something. Totally. I gotta do yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, have you been further than hundred miles? Have you done a 200 yet? I have not done a 200. I have tried to run the Tahoe 200 twice. Oh. And by try, I mean, I was entered into 2020, but it was canceled because of COVID. And then I was in to run last year. Was it last year? Yeah, last year. Um, but it was canceled because of the fires, the Caldor fire that took over yeah. like Tahoe area. That's right. Um, so I've said, forget it. I'm not running Tahoe, but I have signed up for Moab 240. So I'll be doing that in October. Oh. <laughs> so. There's not like a rollover for Tahoe or anything like that? Mm -mm, no, ah, that sucks. Okay, I know. So you're signed up for Moab and Cogadona this year. I am. Oh dang! I know. <laughs> Anything else? Any other races? I mean, that's enough. But it sounds yeah. like you're ambitious, so I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm you know around one of the best racing companies, Aravipa. So I wouldn't be surprised if I you know throw in a handful of those races here and there's training runs, especially for Cogadona. Yeah. Something I would love to do before Cocodona is, you know, do rim to rim to rim, but that'll be a, just a timing thing to see if I have time to do it. Nice. That's one of my favorite runs. I would highly recommend it. You've done it. Yeah. I've done it a couple of times. It's so cool. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. I, yeah, I just was there what, like two weeks ago for the first time I got to see the Grand Canyon and it oh. hurt. I was there with my, my mom and my niece and it took everything I had not to just go like run down Bright Angel Trail, <laughs> but I, I couldn't. <laughs> With your family, yeah. I was. I was. Gotta do the family thing. <laughs> I know. I did the the Grand Arizona tour. It was Antelope Canyon, Grand Canyon, Flagstaff, Sedona, and then uh, Phoenix. Nice. Yeah. Didn't you just do Black Canyon 100K too? I did. And How was that? I was very nervous about that. I'm not gonna lie because so so Tahoe Turner was canceled. The day I find out it's canceled, I go out to, for a shakeout run and I got a stress fracture. <laughs> oh. so I was in a boot for three months oh. until mid-December. Yeah, mid-December, I was in a boot. And then I was at an Aravipa holiday party for their group runs. And they had a raffle for a couple of different races that you could enter and get a free entry. And I entered Black Canyon as a joke. <laughs> my name my name got drawn you got in nice I got okay. in. <laughs> so I had seven weeks of training out of a boot to do that race so that's why I say I was a little nervous but it went really well I mean I treated it as a training run like I should have for Black Cannon I had my poles the whole time I had my hydration vest packed solid I mean that thing was constantly full of water even though I didn't really need it until later into the race but I just wanted to treat it as, you know, a Coke donut training run. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad I did. I went really slow. I finished like in the middle of the night. <laughs> I even told my friend, like, are you sure you want to wait out for me? And he was like, yes. <laughs> um, Cause he finished second place. So he waited around for 10 hours. <laughs> okay. That's like a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Great person. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was a great race and I didn't injure myself. So all good thing. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I kind I hate to say it, but that's kind of what I'm looking at with Cocodona. So we're not, you and I are nine weeks from Cocodona right now. Here Did you know I. that? Yeah, I know. Here. I know. Um, I had it marked on my calendar because I've been injured. You know, I've been injured for five months. I probably haven't run. I've got this plantar fasciitis and I've been trying oh, to work it God. out. I've seen a couple PTs. I think I'm making progress, but yeah, I've got it on my calendar and I'm just like, okay, we're nine weeks out. I need like nine weeks to train at a minimum. And you know, yeah. am I going to be able to do this with seven or eight weeks? And so I'm a little nervous for Coco, but I know. I'm just staying positive and moving. Where are you training right now? I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, you, you've got yeah. great area to train in. Oh yeah. Fantastic. But <laughs> I'm injured. What, what are you doing for heat? Well, that's true too. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I'm on an indoor bike trainer. I got outside on the bike today. It was a beautiful day. Um, yeah, my heat training is lacking. Um, I need to get into a sauna. Um, I did Western States a bunch of years ago and I remember sp spending like the whole summer driving around with the heat on and the windows up, just like <laughs> sweating all day long. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I've got a little heat training to do, but what about you? How's your training going? 
training's going really well. Um, I mean, Black Canyon was what I really wanted to do as, you know, just something that just, you know, as peace of mind for the race um, coming up in May. But um, I took the week off because then my family was in town. So this last week was my first week of like just baby steps into training again. That went well. And so far this this week's going well. My strategy is, um, you know, just weightlifting on Mondays, Tuesday and Wednesday are shorter runs, Thursday, very light lifting. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday are my back to back to back long run days. And so one day I'll do like a longer sort of flatter run. And then, then the next day I'll do a longer, you know, bigger climbing day. And then the next day will be like all hiking kind of day. Um, so the person I, I mentioned before, he's like, let's do like a, a like a, a race camp one weekend or something. Let's like, let me help you. Cause he, he's running Western States this year. So, um, he's also got to get some, some big miles in. So we're going to, I don't know where we're going to go, but we're, we got to get some big weekends in coming up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you someone who counts weekly mileage and, and stresses out about stuff like that? No, not yeah. at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more of like, just get a big day and count. I, I really count, um, like hours on your feet. Yeah. Um, I'll, you know, sort of gauge mileage, but it's not as, you know, it's not something I'm super strict about like I used to be. Yeah. But Friday night is the start of your big run or the start of your weekend. So on Friday Mm -hmm. night after work, you'll go out for a big run, catch some miles. And then Saturday and Sunday, the same Mm -hmm. thing, three back to backs. Yeah. And something I, there was another podcast I listened to specifically about 200 mile training. Um, You know, the biggest topic was sleep. And that's something that if there's anything that I'm worried about during the race, it's sleeping because Mm -hmm. I can't take naps. I can't sleep during the day. It takes me forever to fall asleep at night. So I think what I'm going to do, um, at least a handful of times before the race is do like a big, big run Friday night leading into up to like maybe 1am, 2am sleep for an hour or two, get up and then do it all day Saturday and then get like a solid night sleep Saturday night and then go out for a big day Sunday. Um, but I I really want to do you know, those minimal sleep set Friday, Saturdays or Saturday, Sundays, just for that peace of mind. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, when you're training for your first marathon, the peace of mind is checking those boxes of your Hal Hicks right. plan. Now it's, can I sleep a little bit during a run? We'll see. Yeah. Well, when you're running a 250 mile race, you know, sleep is something to kind of stress about. You're going to have to sleep at some point. Yeah. And it's like, when am I going to do it? It's yeah. So do you have a strategy facing come, coming into this race, like run, hike 20 hours a day or 60 miles a day? Or, I mean, if you do 50 miles a day, you should be able to get the thing done. Right. Because right. we have five days to do it. Yeah, five days. <laughs> um, but do you have a strategy at all or, um, I mean, you seem like a very analytical person, like yeah. you, you know what you're going to do, you know, what needs to be done. Are you, are you thinking in those terms for this race? I I'm thinking in those terms, as far as nutrition goes, for sure. Um, what I'm going to have at different, uh, aid stations, as far as like drop bags go, I'm also still on the fence on having crew. That's something I've never had before as crew or pacers. I usually like to go lone wolf style. It's just one last thing to have to worry about in a race. I know a lot of people like having it for me. It's like this mental game where I'm like, God, people are like counting on me to get to this aid station by this time. And I'm going to like be late. So mm-hmm. I like to just think of it as me going out on an adventure and I'll get there when I get there. Okay. Um, but as, for this, I'm, I'm considering actually having crew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but sleep, um, that's something that I'm just thinking like when you feel tired, then that's when you go to sleep versus trying to force it into a plan. Um, I think that's something that's just going to come naturally in the race. It is something that I'm going to try and train for during, you know, the, the weekends leading up to it, but I've been told by a couple people, like, if you feel tired that you can fall asleep right then, go to sleep right then. Like, don't get to an aid station saying you're going to sleep. And if you can't sleep, be, you know, sad or disappointed about it. Just sleep when you, when you feel like it. Um, hopefully that's at an aid station, but if it's yeah. not. Yeah. Trail naps are, are welcome. Trail naps yeah. are cool. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to happen. <laughs> what yeah. is your, what, what's your food strategy? I'm still noodling on that. Um, I've been going back and forth from a very low carb diet to just like a regular runner's diet. 
And I'm thinking just because I know what kind of food is at Aravipa aid stations, and I'm gonna depend on that probably quite a bit, um, is to just do more of like a higher carb, carb diet. Um, but food, I want to stick to solid, solid stuff. I'm, I've never been a goo person. I've never been, you know, anything like that. I will do bars from time to time, though my preference are RX bars, just because they're so limited ingredient. Yeah. Um, and I do carry those constantly with me on training runs. I love them. But yeah, I think I'm just going to stick to whole foods that I know work for me, you know, just veering away from dairy, veering away from sugars. Um trying to fit isn't I know there's never vegetables at an aid station but if I can get some in <laughs> that would be great <laughs> yeah, yeah. just because I know they make me feel good if anything it's just a placebo effect um but yeah we'll see I'm, I'm still noodling on the you know the minutia the smaller details in there yeah. but okay. it'll, it'll happen <laughs> so the longest you've been so far is 100 100 miles 100 miles in a race and then the 135 the Strava art. 35. That's right. Okay. Okay. So yeah, this is, this is kind of new. Who knows how it's going to shake out. I mean, I, I'm kind of sitting in the same boat. Uh, I know. Are, are you nervous about the first 50 kilometers last year? Uh, that was all the talk of the race. I know. And I'm, I saw there's a, there's a group training run. I think it's April 1st or April 2nd, where they're going to do that. They're going to do okay. the, the first 50k. And I don't want to miss that. Okay. <laughs> I keep hearing about that section and I did read the runner's um, manual just yesterday, actually. Uh And it did talk about the aid stations and how that one section where how many miles apart? It's like 20 miles. No, I won't say it's farther. No, it's 20 miles. It's from mile 11 to like mile 30. My dog. 33. Yeah. 33. Yeah. A whole stretch without any aid, but I think they're trying to get a water drop in there. Uh Um, Otherwise, yeah, what do you have? It's like mandatory that you have to have four liters on you going through that section. Easy, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I was carrying four liters with me at Black Canyon with how heavy my pack was. I gave Scott, I was like, I took it off at the end of Black Canyon. I was like, just see how heavy it is. And he was just like, you were carrying this the whole time. (laughs) Wow. I was, I, I rucked black canyon <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds like it that's perfect i mean that's perfect coca donut training i you're know you're doing a lot of hiking with poles carrying heavy stuff exactly and have a bunch of water with us yeah yeah i was actually thinking of going to the army surplus surplus store soon and picking up a you know a weighted vest just for that just, just for training just for training because yeah. oh man when you're at, done with a hundred miler and you take your vest off i get so sore right here yeah just, yeah yeah let's we'll see is it pretty hot in Arizona where you are right now? Are you getting good heat training? Today, today it was like a good 84, 85. Okay. So nice. it's start, yeah, it's starting to get up there. Yeah. And a lot of the times I, I run early mornings and I hike in the afternoon sunset time, but I need to start forcing myself to go out at like noon. Um, in the heat of the day. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that'll definitely happen, you know, on weekends when you're out past noon, but yeah, just getting used to long exposure in the sun. Mm, yeah, no kidding. So Coca Dona 250. Are you even thinking about Moab 240 at this point? Or are you just thinking of the one race ahead of you at this point? Uh, I'm, I think I'm just thinking about Coca Dona, but I keep seeing little updates about Moab and I'll get excited. And I'm just like, hold on, slow your roll. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's just, let's just worry about this first, you know, monster. Now we can tackle the next one later. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited for Moab. I got to volunteer last year and just being there and in the environment. And I volunteered at the Tahoe 200 in 2019. And it's just so exciting being around those 200 events because you know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you kind of know, but we'll find out for sure in two months. But <laughs> the energy and just knowing that you're going out on this multi-day adventure, just oh, I'm so excited for. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Um. What about the future? Do you have plans for next year or five years down the road? Are you going to keep growing this thing? You know, I, there's so many bucket list races that I want to do. Um, one of my big goals is to do bad water. I I'll be there this year crewing Pete. Um, I helped him when he was in, when he was here for desert solstice this year and then a little bit across the years, but, um, yeah, he got picked for, 
bad water. So I'm excited to go crew and get, you know, an experience um, and a real feel of, of the race so that later I can one day submit and hopefully get picked to run that race. But yeah. 2023, I have no idea what's in store. Um, I'm kind of, I like to say I'm a, a live in the moment kind of person, um, but I'm so type A and I love to plan in, uh, the f- for the future. <laughs> so for sure. yeah. we'll see what's ahead next year. But I nowadays I'm just kind of living, living by the moment, sort yeah. of. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No. You must like the heat, though. I love the heat. Really? You do well? I do, yeah. Yeah. I think this I think... Born, born and raised Florida. It came okay. naturally coming here, except okay. I love it because there's no humidity. Yeah, yeah. How do you do in the cold? I don't do well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't do well at all. Yeah. I want to say, because I lived in Chicago for, not 20 years, 10 years. Yeah. Um, and if it were below 40 degrees, I would complain the whole time <laughs> where I would hear people say like that's not that bad but oh mm, mm, it's bad mm. I told one of my friends they were like let's go for a run together I was like it's 20 degrees I don't really want to go and they're like come on and I was like all right but you're gonna hear me cuss from start to finish and they did <laughs> yeah I can't as soon as like my shoulders and my back gets cold I'm done I'm out done. that's it but, but you'll take the hottest ultra marathons in the world over mountains, over deserts, but not, uh, not a run under 40 degrees. No, <laughs> no. So what was it like two weeks before I moved here? It happened. It just happened to be, um, I think it was negative 12, negative 12, but like negative 20, 21 with the wind chill. Whoa. And I had 25 miles on deck that day. And, you know, my first thought was like treadmill run, but I was like, you know what? No, <laughs> this is the last time I have to do this. And then I'm moving to Arizona. So I did the, the miles outside and I have a picture where I'm just covered in icicles, like just covered. <laughs> and I was like, I'll never have to do that again. And yeah. I still will never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> One yeah. and done. Yeah. I, I love the heat. Last year, there was a, an unsanctioned race. One of our friends put on here at South Mountain. It's called the Circle of Hell race. And it's always done in the middle of July. And this year they said it was tame because it was only like 110. Um, but it's a few hour race around a one mile path on the mountain and i i was third place female nice, <laughs> <I> nice. <laughs> so you're getting faster too slightly <laughs> I mean, so i mean a- after you lost all this weight you started running do you feel like your fitness is still getting better like when you look at your times are the times dropping down still i so the, I don't think the, tr- the times are dropping. Um, I think it's just that I'm able to go farther and mm. for longer. I think mm. that's where my fitness is improving. Um, but time-wise, I, I think I'm still in the same camp. I don't think I'd be able to PR my marathon anytime soon, though. But if you were to tell me train for a 250-mile race, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll see what's next after 250. I don't know. I might be like, hell no, I'm never doing an ultra marathon again afterwards. Or right. I might be like, what's 500 like? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do, you, do you do anything else? Do you bike or climb or anything else? I do bike. Um, a lot of the times I'll, I'll use my bike just as like, you know, no impact cardio. If I just want to like cruise around, ride around. Yep. Um, I've always wanted to rollerblade, but I have yet to pick that up. <laughs> but I, since I moved here, like I'm such a baby when it comes to heights. <laughs> I have a pretty severe fear of heights. Okay. But being out here, I've decided that I have to conquer it. So I try and do, I, I do the, the toughest climbs that I possibly can out here. I've done flat iron many times. I've done this other mountain called Picacho where you have to have gloves for the cables because it's so steep and slick and done that a few times and I'll have you know panic attacks (laughs) but I'm like you can do this this is fine and you know just keep pressing on so I've gotten into climbing not to the point where now I'm like mountaineering but um I have gotten into more scrambling than I'm used to cool cool (laughs) just because I want to conquer that fear yeah, you're just like facing your fears one by one, just knocking demons down. I love it. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, so you're a writer as well. Have you ever thought about putting your story down on paper, like writing a book or a screenplay or anything like that? Have you ever thought about it? Yes, I'm actually in the beginning stages of nice. writing my book. I talked to um, Christopher McDougall. 
because yeah. he's about to come out with his next book and I'll be in it. Really? Um, What's his next book? Born to Run 2. No way. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be in it? Yes. <laughs> so how, how did that go? Did he, as a journalist, come follow you around or interview you or what was that like? He found me, he's, I think he said he found me through a friend on Instagram and, you know, asked if we could set up an interview and chit-chat. Um, and, you know, we had a, a conversation on the phone and about 30 minutes in, he told me like, you have to write your own book. You know this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, when you do t- tell me and I'll point you into, you know, I'll point you towards the right people to kind of, yeah. so I was oh, like, yeah. well, that's a 2022 goal now. Uh, yes. <laughs> I heard it from you. Well, oh. you've given me two things to be excited about. I didn't know there was a Born to Run 2 coming out. That's pretty yeah. badass. And you're yeah. going to be in it. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> When's it coming out? I think October, maybe. Okay. That's the last I heard. Might be later. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. And um, do you have any ideas with uh, your own story? Like, um, I'm guessing if you're a writer, you must be a reader as well. I am as well. I love literature. Is there any books you look at? Like maybe that can be my template and I'll try and tell my story that way. Or have you even thought that far? I haven't thought that far yet. Right now I'm just kind of getting the outline out there. Um, as far as just like all the things I could possibly tell before I start carving, you know, the sculpture and into what it will be later. Um, but yeah, right now my dog's whining at me. Um, Right now, it's just a matter of getting every possible like story or idea or angle I could possibly get out there because I, I don't want it to be just another girl's story. I want it to have purpose or I want it to hopefully impact someone else mm-hmm. um, who might be going through something that I went through or you know might be struggling with weight or struggling with their family or, or whatever. Um, and I, so I want it to be a tool. I'm still figuring out how it can be a tool, but I want that to be the goal. Cool, cool. <laughs> I love it. Write the book, come back on the show. We'll, we'll promote it. We'll do whatever we can, but I am excited. Yeah. It's so cool. And, um, I guess I'm going to be seeing you in nine weeks and I'm either going to be running it or crewing it. Uh, maybe I'll just be there oh, cheering for you one way or another. It's, it's going to be a party out in the desert and I can't wait for it. So oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> me too. Me too. Well, Callie, what a story you have. Um, yeah. And I think that you should write it down for sure, because you're going to be able to help people. You know, it's an inspiring story. It's going to help people. There are other people that are in your shoes just, you know, 10 years ago, and they're wondering how, how to get to your version now. So yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep inspiring people. And, uh, I love, I love the story. I love a transformation story. So Callie, so cool. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, no problem. It's been great being on here and talking with you. Cool. You ever come to Colorado? Look me up. I'll take you on some trails. I'll be there this summer, actually. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Cool. Well, looking forward to it. Look me up. All right. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. All right. We'll see ya. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what we are doing at Big Things Crewing or you enjoy the podcast, please consider donating to us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash do big things is where you can drop a dollar in the hat, so to speak. I'd like to thank our loyal Patreon subscribers. Without you guys, this isn't possible. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'd like to thank our sponsors. First of all, Exoskin. Their running apparel keeps you comfortable in absolutely any condition. Say goodbye to chafing and blisters. Check them out. Exoskin.us. Use our discount code, capital BTC for 15% off. I also want to tell you guys real quick about Bigger Than the Trail. Bigger Than the Trail is a 501c3 tax-exempt organization that is using trail running as a platform to advocate for mental health. If you've ever thought about getting therapy but aren't in the position where you can afford it or you don't have insurance, Bigger Than the Trail offers you free therapy for three months. Yes, you got it. I said it. You heard it right. I couldn't love what these guys are doing more. I signed up for it. It was quick. It was easy. Within 48 hours, I had a a therapist that met all my pre-requirements. It was all matched up with me and met my personal criteria. And I met with her every week for, I don't know, a couple months. And, uh, you know, I, I, I met with her until I felt a little bit better. And, uh, you know, I'm trying this thing. You guys should try this thing. And, you know, we can all do it together. Look up Bigger Than The Trail. 
sign up for the services, and let's do the small things in life that eventually lead us to doing the big things. Let them know we sent you. Also, we want to thank Alter Ego Running. They make premium performance hats. Everyone needs a good lid or two when you're out running on an epic adventure. Uh, These hats should be your go-to on everyday runs, epic adventures, and just cruising around town. Check out Alter Ego Running. Use our promo code, capital all caps, do big things, and that's for 20% off. Last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by Athletic Brewing, the finest non-alcoholic craft beer in the market. Check out athleticbrewing.com and use my discount code, McRobertsA20, all caps, for 20% off the finest non-alcoholic beer around. Enjoy the taste without the hangover. Remember, guys, life is short. Do big things, baby. Pedro, take us for a run.